That's this awfully strange song <clears throat> a friend of mine wrote. <clears throat> but um, I only have half the song. And I asked him many years ago, I mean, probably 20 years ago, what, what's the other half? He goes, there isn't no other half. So... Sometimes I think I should finish it. He's disappeared. He went to Japan about 30 years ago, and I haven't heard from him in, I don't know, 10, 15. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um, so today I want to talk about why I hate you too, and there are a number of reasons. Let's start with reason number one, Bono. I mean, <laughs> I just can't stand the guy anymore. He just, he's obnoxious. Um, but let me say for the record, there was a time when I loved you too. Like right around the time of um, Octung Baby and uh, was it pop, pop music? I thought there was some really great stuff on that. And Octung Baby was like a, a, you know, was one of the two albums that I think I listened to on repeat in very early sobriety. <clears throat> the other one being um, the Pixies, uh, Doolittle. So, but yeah, Bono, I mean... Sure. Okay. Um, I think they're a great marketing company, but I think their sound was basically created by Daniel Lenoir and Brian Eno, like on the uh, Joshua Tree album, and kind of made them. Okay. What's another reason? Well, let's listen to let's listen to uh, a, a song. Now we're up to our long distance dedication, and this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes: Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. That's the letter U and the New World 2. The four-man band features Adam Clayton on bass, Larry Mullen on drums, Dave Evans, nicknamed The Edge, on... This is bullshit. Nobody cares. These guys are from England, and who gives a shit? Oh, yeah. It's a lot of wasted names that don't mean diddly shit. I, for sure, for sure, you don't, don't know where you're at. Don't shit about you. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. Sounds like it's portable, yeah. Who gives a shit? So that was Casey Kasem. Do you know the name? He was like a huge uh, music guy, radio guy. And he had a weekly show and he played all the hits and stuff. He probably made a fortune in payola. 
you know, him and him and Pat Boone. But that was he was introducing you uh, two, and they weren't famous yet. And you can hear him going off. Somebody recorded the whole thing, and uh, you know, in the studio, or you know, it was on. You know, they were taping, and and you know, dubbed it to a cassette and gave it to this band in. Uh, the San Francisco Bay Area called Negative Land. And um, they decided to make a a song with it, a track. And uh, they're very, very um, much into f- using found sound, you know, rec- other recordings, you know, from elsewhere and putting, putting them together and adding their own stuff. So they made this uh, single called... I think it was called U2 and uh they put a big U2 on the on the cover with a U2 uh spy plane on it and uh you know I don't know that it was getting a lot of airplay anywhere but uh it was certain I guess you know around the bay area a little bit and stuff but anyway uh U2 found out about it and sued them I mean, they they destroyed the band is what they did. Island Records, U2's label, and the band sued Negative Land. Not just cease and de- desist. They wanted damages and all this stuff. Um, they couldn't, you know, because they're doing, I still haven't found what I'm looking for on the kazoo. They have Casey Kasem trashing U2. I mean, these guys could not deal with it. And in ni- about in 1995, or sometime around when the when the uh, maybe it's earlier uh, when the um, when the, the lawsuit was still going on, Wired magazine uh, started called about uh, the Edge, the guitarist of U2, and you know wanted an interview, and he says okay, they're interviewing, and all of a sudden two guys from Negative Land get on the call. They kind of you know um, did a you know, surprise, uh, gotcha type call. And they said, why are, why are you suing us? And, and the edge is going, Oh, we tried to tell them to slow down, you know, to back off. And they, they're just, they're, nobody's listening to us. And you know what? I call absolute total bullshit on that. U2 was, if not already, was soon to be the biggest band in the world. Uh, I think they were by then. Uh, and uh, if the band had told the label to stop the lawsuit, the label would have done it, but they didn't. And then so the edge was lying, and you know Bono knew what was going on because he that guy man he's like <laughs> I'm sure as as Truman Capote said about Mick Jagger, the minute he walks out, off the stage, he whips out a pocket calculator. <laughs> to figure out how much money he made at the show. But uh, same with Bono. I mean, that guy's, you know. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's another reason I can't stand U2. They destroyed negative land because they're so thin-skinned. Those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man. It's impossible to make those transitions. 
And then you gotta go into somebody dying. God damn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Why are we doing these instrumentals? Because we got them? I don't understand it. This is all something new. I don't understand it. This is all something new. I don't understand it. I think that people read more into the music than is really there. Will somebody find out the goddamn answer in the So that's another reason, one of the main reasons I hate you too. I don't like the fact that the edge lied. That really bothers me. They're a marketing company. Um, I think I saw them in 1997, and Oasis opened for them at the Coliseum. A friend had a an extra ticket. Said, "You want to go?" And I said, "Sure, why not?" See Oasis and U2. Uh, it's an afternoon show, early evening show, you know, kind of like a day on the green type of thing. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, these guys are good. They're still trying to connect with the audience and all this stuff. I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. And I was talking, I don't know, a few months later, maybe, I don't know, to my friend Bob Barsetti, who was, you know, ran all the huge shows for Bill Graham Presents, you know, I mean, the the big, you know, all the, you know, at the Oakland Coliseum and and he ran the dead tours the last few years. I mean, those things grossed four or five hundred million dollars. So this guy knows the music business. He knew everybody, smart guy. And uh, somehow we, we were talking about, it came up on YouTube uh, about YouTube, and I said, "Well, you know, Bob, I, I think they're still trying to really connect with people, trying to keep it real." It goes, "Knox, they are the absolute worst of the worst." And he told me he did some huge show. It could have been like Live Aid, something like that. Ran that show. I mean, he, you know, he was that that kind of guy. Did that scale of stuff, and he said and it was a huge benefit. And when the bands would come off stage. They would walk about 150 feet to the press tent where they would have a quick interview with the press who would be there waiting. And, you know, it was just, you know, kind of like, you know, they'd play, they'd go to the press tent, interview, and then, you know, about that time, maybe the next band would be off and they'd come in and interview and said, but not you too. They had four fans with, you know, uh, smoke windows, you know, not, you know, can't see in windows. And each of them (laughs) got in a van and they were driven the 150 feet to the tent. (laughs) One in each car. He said, they are the worst of the worst. And, uh, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I mean, that was, that was kind of the final thing. Um, there was one other thing that I couldn't stand about them, but oh wait, I know. Do you remember the morning you woke up and looked on your phone, and the U two album was already on it? <laughs> one you didn't ask for, one you actually didn't want to hear. Remember that? They 
put the U2 album on every phone, iPhone in the world. I can't, was, was Steve Jobs still alive? That's got, that's Bono. I mean, th- all, you know, all written all over it. I, I remember Googling how to get rid of it because I wasn't sure how to do it. Um, God, that was awful. And then if you're using Siri uh, and, you know, dictating to Siri like a text message, anytime you say U2, it would be the letter U, capital U, and the numeral 2. I mean, that that's that that smacks of uh, Steve Jobs because I think Steve and Bono were friends, which makes, you know, some kind of sense. Anyway. So those are all the reasons. <laughs> I fucking hate you too. The band you too. It's too bad because they do have some fantastic songs, but I, I cannot listen to them anymore because of that stuff. I mean... You know, I don't, I, it's a matter of, I don't know, integrity, I guess. So, and I also think Brian Eno got lost in the wilderness for, you know, 40 years because he made a Faustian deal to produce them and lost all his mojo as a result. He's never been the same Every so often I, 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 I hear something and I think, oh, maybe he's coming back, but not fully, not yet. He's still at the point where he would be listening and go, what would Brian Eno do here? And then he tries to do that. All right, this just in. I was looking for a picture I could use as an, you know, for the podcast. And I Googled you too. So this is the bonus episode here, bonus track. Um, they're talking about doing, Bono uh, is talking about doing a residence in Las Vegas of all places. This is what he said. I hope it would be ready. I can't announce Vegas. You'd have to shoot me. But if it happens, I promise you it won't be any like anything you've ever seen in Las Vegas or anywhere else. It is really the most extraordinary if it comes off its grand madness by 100. It will center around Octung Baby. Well, yeah, of course, their best album, which we feel we need to really honor. But it will also... But we have to have the new songs out, don't we? He asks. He continues, there's no place yet big enough. If we can build one for our audience, but it will be for us to go, it will have to be like no one has ever gone before. That sounds a bit like Star Trek. Part Star Trek, part Traveling Salesman. And there you have it, Traveling Salesman, Bono. And given his thin skin and his bombastic description of the greatest show ever. I mean, basically, you have Donald Trump in rose-colored sunglasses. And I 
would ask you, what kind of Christian does a residency in Babylon? If you like this podcast, please tell your friends about it. Please subscribe somewhere. It's available everywhere that fine podcasts are served. Please leave a review somewhere, you know, on uh, Apple Podcasts or something like that. Amazon, iHeartRadio, wherever. And lastly, this is Knox riding the wild bubble with you.